Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Luke. Jesus is Lord. Can you agree with me on that? Jesus is Lord. So we make that statement, and um, I guess the, the question naturally that we would ask is, Jesus is Lord of what? <laughs> or of whom? So by saying that Jesus is Lord, what we're saying is, I acknowledge the authority and the presence of Christ in my life. I acknowledge the authority and presence of Christ in this world. And so then it becomes a question. Um, if he's Lord, that means that he is ruling over us, controlling us. Not in the sense of manipulation or domination or anything like that, but in the sense of, of motivating and empowering, enabling us, uh, in the sense of walking with us. So it's not everybody who has a king walking with you every day, but we do. So when we say that Jesus is Lord, um, that's an acknowledgement that he is the God who created us and he was the God who rose from the dead after he had died to forgive us and cleanse us of our sins. And when we die and uh, those who go to heaven will be in his presence and we will see him in all of his glory and all of his fullness and he is what he has always been, King of kings and Lord of lords. And Revelation 19.12 tells us that he wears many crowns. So the passage that, we, that was read uh, just a while ago from Matthew 27, it's talking about when Jesus appears before Pilate. And this is after the uh, Jewish authorities had already had a, uh, a secret illegal trial and condemned him to death and handed him over to the Roman authorities. Roman authorities said, we don't find any reason to, to keep this guy. Nothing surely worthy of death. And Pilate said it about four or five times. I find no fault in this man. He's done nothing wrong. He's done nothing deserving of death. I'll have him beaten and turn him over to you. And so... They took him and they beat him. And it says that um, the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. Now, if they had all of those soldiers in a company, that's about 600 men. Uh, because this is happening on a feast day. People all over the world are there. It's a volatile community that has had insurrection and, rebel and rebellion before. They're not sure how people are going to respond to crucifying this guy. So there's a lot of soldiers there. It's a tense time. Um, it's a time of celebration, a time of worship, but also a time of um, political motivations and strong feelings and a, a very long history of oppression and abuse. And so there's a lot of guys there. So they gather Jesus stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, 
They twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. Um, this is part of the mockery. A king wounded by his crown. A king who gets the crown placed upon his head and it's painful and it causes the blood to run down his face. I don't know, and they don't know, uh, what kind of thorn that they were used. In South Africa, some of the thorn trees, the thorns are this long. I can put them in my hand, end of the thorn here, that long. Uh -huh. I've got pictures of it. Thorns that long. You run over them in your car and you've got flat tires. <laughs> I've had them. Uh, there's also a plant that grows there. I think you can get it here. It's called the crown of thorns. It um, looks like kind of like a rose bush, except it's, it's got tons and tons of thorns. In South Africa, they use them under their windows and things to try to deter, try to get big hedges of them to deter people from breaking into their homes because they are, are very pointy. And then they have, um, they have some trees there, I mean big, huge trees, that the bark is nothing but thorns all over it. Uh, from the bottom of the tree to the top of the tree on all the branches, it's nothing but thorns. And um, they, there was an account of a, a guy who was on a safari, and one of his gun bearers handed him the gun, and he was standing there weaponless, and they got charged by a rhino. <laughs> and so this big rhino is after this guy, and uh, everybody scatters, and it follows this one gun bearer. He doesn't have any weapons. And um, the next time they saw him, he was up in the top of one of these trees, one of these trees that has the thorns all around them. In his fear and in the adrenaline rush, he just grabbed the first tree he could and got away. Okay, now the rhino's gone, and he's up here. He's bleeding in his hands and feet and legs, and now he's got to get down. <laughs> Would not have been a good position to be in. So I don't know what kind of thorns these were, but they were thorns that... Um, they used uh, iron instruments because they didn't want to hurt themselves. And they made a, a wreath, a ring, and they sat it on Jesus' head and mashed it down. Here's the king of the Jews, injured by his own crown. Then they put a staff in his right hand like a scepter. And they all got in front of him. He's wearing this robe, this crown, got this stick in his hand. And they all get on their knees in front of him. And... They mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said, and they spit on him. Uh, John says they hit him with their hands. They took the staff and they beat him on the head with it. Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him on the head again and again. In John's Gospel, which probably has the, uh, the timing right, after he had been, that was after they had flogged him. So they, they took the whip and they beat him half to death. Now, they were beating these men crucified on this Friday. They were beating them extra severely because they wanted him to die before the Passover. So these things, um, they had men before that died after having been flogged. Uh, sometimes it tore uh, the skin and the flesh away down to the bones and even um, the intestines and things were seen. So they beat him pretty severely. And then they did this mocking thing. And in John 19, verse 4, once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him out to you 
to let you know that I find no basis of a charge against him. Now, they've beaten him half to death. He's still got this crown of thorns. Um, he's been, I'm sure he's bruised around the face and head where they beat him with these sticks and, and their fists. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said, here is the man. And as soon as the chief priests and officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. Not enough what you've done to him yet. We want him dead. So that's what they were doing. In the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, it's after Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden. Now God had created the world and it was perfect in the way that it was created. And he had created people. They also were perfect on the day that they were created. Created in the image and likeness of God. But because of their willful, deliberate sin, it brought death and destruction in all the earth. One of the things that happened as a result of Adam and Eve's sin is in verse 17, chapter 3. To Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground from which you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So sinful man brought the kingdom of thorns down upon his own head. That's what we've done. We've brought the kingdom of thorns down upon our own heads. Jesus, taking your place and my place, took that crown of thorns for you and me. As you go through the scriptures, we find that every time the scriptures talk about thorns, it's in a judgmental result of sin. So we find it um, about the land itself. He refers to, to uh, evil men as thorns. It talks about malicious neighbors as thorns and briars. Um, it talks about the land producing thorns and wickedness. It talks about wicked rulers as thorns and briars. And so every time you have thorns in the scripture, it's always dealing with curse as a judgment and one of the causes of suffering and pain in this world, always. So Jesus taking that thorn is taking upon himself the curse. You remember that um, that's what he has done for us. New Testament, Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. This thing that he could not get victory over, whether it was a physical thing or some other thing it never tells us. And he struggles with this often. And he comes before God and he says, God, take this away from me three times. And God said, no, you're a better man because of it. Because when this thing is afflicting you, you turn to me and quit relying on yourself. 
My grace is sufficient for you. Well, Jesus didn't stay dead. And because he didn't, because he rose from the dead, he was demonstrating his power over death and the power of death which is sin. Because he had no sin himself, he was taking that death, that punishment, on behalf of you and me. And he rose victorious for our sakes. And so Hebrews 2.9 puts it this way. Jesus now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Paul puts it this way. Jesus became a curse for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. He took our place that we might take his place as children of God. Jesus is Lord, King of kings, Lord of lords. Is he ruling your life? Is he ruling mine? God in his grace and mercy, and because we're created in his image and likeness, has chosen to give us crowns, those who follow him, those who accepted him as Lord and Savior. God gives crowns to his people. Hebrews 2.7 quotes from Psalm 8.5. He's asking, what is man that God even cares about us? But he says, God created us a little lower than the angels, and he has crowned us with glory and honor. He's suffering shame and degradation so that you and I would be crowned with glory and honor. What is that glory and honor? Do you feel crowned with glory and honor? God created you in the image and likeness of God. That's our glory. That's our crown. That's our honor. James 12, James 1:12 and Revelation 2:10, both of us talks about God who's going to crown, give us the crown of life. Your life is a crown. It should be to the glory of God. 1 Peter 5.4 talks about a crown of glory that will never fade away. 2 Timothy 4.8 uh, talks about the crown of righteousness, Paul says, which God is going to give to him. It's a righteousness that comes by faith because of the presence of Christ in his life. But it's a crown of righteousness. Proverbs 14, 18 talks about people who know the Lord are crowned with knowledge. It's a knowledge of God because they are walking in relationship with Him. And Psalm 103, verse 4, talks about us being crowned with love and compassion. All of these kinds of crowns are the kinds of crowns that God has, through His Son, Jesus Christ, given to you and to me. Love, compassion, knowledge, righteousness, crown of life. Jesus is Lord. He's the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. There among the soldiers, there was mocking. 
And the mocking was a form of worship. It was a mock worship, a mock uh, acknowledging him as Lord, right? But the crown of thorns on his head, great joke. Hit him with his own staff, beat him up with it. His own scepter, the symbol of his authority and righteousness, put the purple robe upon him. They're down on their knees, bowing down. Hail, king of the Jews, and they're hitting him. That's their mocking form of worship. Part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Many will come in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we not prophesy in your name? In your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. What kind of worship do we give to the Lord? Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus asks an important question. He's asking it of people who are following him, people who are coming to hear what he has to say and to see what he's doing. Luke 6, 46. Jesus looks at these people and he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. That's a good question. I think that's a question that each one of us as Christians need to be asking. Jesus is Lord. Are we living like he's Lord? Or is our living a mock worship? What kind of crown are you and I presenting to Jesus in our lives? Uh, In Revelation chapter 4, in verse 4, it talks about the 24 elders. And to these 24 elders are given golden crowns. These are the spiritual leaders. And these 24 elders get this golden crown and place it on their heads. Later on in verse 10, it says that when they come together and they look, and there's God on the throne and the Lamb, they fall on their knees and take their crowns and put them at the feet of the throne. That's their worship. God has crowned you with life. Is that the crown that you're putting at the feet of the throne? God has crowned you with righteousness. Is that righteousness something that you offer to God at the foot of the throne as an act of worship? His love, his compassion, the knowledge of who he is, do we lay that at his feet as an act of worship and praise to the God who created us in his image and who has given us freely these things. So do we, like the 24 elders, place the crown of our life at the feet of Jesus? Or are we like the soldiers who put the crown of thorns on his head and then bow down and say, Hail to the Lord? How do we do that? It's by the way that we live our lives, isn't it? the way we conduct business, the words that come out of our mouth, the attitudes that we share with one another. Because these are the things that reveal what's going on in the heart. And these are the things that is a public testimony, like an act of worship, isn't it? 
and they see those things, and they hear those things, and they're offered up to the Lord. So what kind of offering do we offer unto him? Jesus is Lord. Psalm 119, 133. The psalmist prays, Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Let no sin rule over me. Control, manipulate. This includes any kind of addiction, any kind of compulsive behavior, right? Let no sin rule over me. My eighth grade, <laughs> my eighth grade history teacher saw me in the, in the lunch cafeteria one day. I'm sitting there eating my sandwich, and he walks up and he says, got a question for you. I said, yes, sir. I don't know. I thought maybe I was in trouble. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> he said, uh, do you live to eat or eat to live? I'm in eighth grade. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking... I'm just trying to eat my lunch. <laughs> Do you eat to live or live to eat? Well, that was a good question. I thought about it. It made an impression on me. Here I am, almost 65. Happened when I was in the eighth grade. I still remember the question. Still remember Mr. Boatler. Um, if Geraldine was here, she would know him. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Let no sin rule over my life. Uh, says the same thing in Genesis 4, Psalm 19, and Romans 6. Talk about sin ruling and controlling us. And he says, Jesus died on the cross to break the power of that in our lives so that we don't have to let those things control us anymore. could be a simple thing like a telephone. Does that rule your life? How do you feel when you leave it behind or forget it? Or you think you've lost it? Oh, no. Who's ruling who? As I put mine in my pocket. <laughs> so I won't forget it. Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, Colossians 3.15 and 16, Let the peace of Christ, the peace of Christ, rule in your hearts. And he says, we were called to peace. And then the very next verse, verse 16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Jesus is Lord. So what kind of worship will you offer him today? Which crown have you and I given him? Crown of life, glory, honor, or the crown of thorns? Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and you who know our hearts, know our thoughts even before it's completed in our own mind, I pray along with David in Psalm 139, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Search me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way, any wicked way in me. Thank you for the cross of Christ who's come to break the power of those things in our lives, in my life. And I pray, Father, today, as we acknowledge you as Lord, that that would be a truthful statement as we lay before you all of our past, all of our sins, 
all of the things that you have provided for us. The joy, the peace, our very lives which you have given to us through your Son. May they be presented before you as an offering today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.